On this episode of Comics and Cinema, Alex discusses a cavalcade of movies that he saw in theaters over the last week or so, along with his lists on the top movies uh, of 2019 that did not come out in 2019, and uh, the top TV shows of 2019, so stick around. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about a ton of movies and a couple of lists, so we're going to dive right in and get started. Uh, So as I'm sure some of you are aware, uh, we've not had a movie podcast for a week and some change. That was due to the holidays, and uh, we're back on track now, and I have a ton of movies to talk about, many that um, you know I've seen over the last week or so, and so there's a lot. Um, some of them I have more to say about than others, but I just wanted to let you know, especially on these ones that are in theaters too, to let you know whether this is something you know you should uh, um, take the time to go see or something you should wait to go see, that sort of thing. So uh, the first one in that list is Bombshell. This is the, uh, the I was going to say the big short uh, remake, but it's not at all. It's, uh, it's by Jay Roach, written by Charles Randolph. It's about the uh, women at Fox News who uh, basically sued Roger Ailes for sexual misconduct. And um, it plays a little bit like Big Short in terms of the the way the movie is kind of spun, but the content is completely different. It's it's a very different movie, uh, but it was good. I really liked it. I thought it was a great movie um, to see, and I saw it over the holidays with uh, with my cousins, and uh, I think we all enjoyed it. It's a it's a, a little creepy only because the whole situation is so me- so messed up with Roger Ailes, the whole Fox News thing, all of it. And the funnier part too, and kind of like the big short is like we all know the end of the story. We all know Roger Ailes gets kicked out, but it's like. He wasn't the only one that was doing that sort of stuff, and that's kind of the way that you see it in a lot of these situations is uh, someone takes the fall and all the other people get away scot-free, and so that's kind of what happened in this situation too. Obviously, Roger Ailes was a horrible person and, and uh, uh, you know did all of those things, but again, it's like there were other people that were doing it too, and they all got off. It's sort, sort of like uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's situation, but other than that, it was good. Uh, Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie all did a fantastic job. I thought all three of them uh, were great, especially Charlize as uh, Megan Kelly. She, uh, there were times where I forgot that it was Charlize. I was like, wow, this is real. Like the makeup was just spot on. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Oscar nominations for this movie in terms of that. But as in regards to it being like a best picture or anything like that, I, I, I wouldn't stretch that far. But some might, and if the Oscars do, I guess you know that's their choice if they really want to do that. Um, the next one that I saw was A Hidden Life, which is uh, Terrence Malick's newest movie. And I know we, my brother and I talked about it, I think, very briefly on our Movies of the Decade uh, in regards to some of Terrence's or Terry's other works. But uh, Hidden Life was really, really good. I gave that one an 8 out of 10. That's, again, written and directed by Terrence Malick. Stars August Deal as Franz and then Valerie Passioner as Fanny, his wife. And there's a couple of other people in the film as well. But the whole the whole point of it is, um, is during World War II, it's set in Austria, and um, Franz does not want to be a part of anything having to do with the Nazis in the war. And so it starts out where it's like, oh, you know, you're supposed to pledge your loyalty to Hitler. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not. Or like, And then even gets to the point of, like, pledging your allegiance to Germany. 
And it's like, I'm not doing that. He's like, I'm not signing some piece of paper that says that, you know, I have to be loyal to somebody, which is, it's a very timely movie. But at the same time, it was a, a really good, it almost worked as like a counterpoint to uh, Hacksaw Ridge, I felt like, where you got a conscientious objector. But in this case, it is in America. So when you uh, conscientiously object to something in America, they put you as a medical person or something and they have you serve. Whereas in Austria, you get thrown in prison. And so that's what happens in this one is he, he gets thrown in prison. He's taken from his family. And uh, all that he has to do is uh, swear loyalty to Hitler. And it's, it's, such a good movie in that regard. This is one of the one of Terry's films that has more of a plot than most. Uh, a lot of his films kind of meander around, and this one has a direct plot throughout the entire thing. How it gets there is a different story because this movie's three hours long. But uh, just the, there's there's scene there's so many beautiful scenes. I mean the the movie needs to be seen just for the beauty of it, just like any other Terrence Malick movie. Like there's just shots of the Austrian countryside that are that will take your breath away. But there is this other scene where he's walking in town and every Tom <clears throat> every Tom Dick and Harry in town is like, Hi Hitler, like saying hello to him basically. And it's that's what was funny too, because this is right this takes place from like I think it's like nineteen thirty nine to 1943 or something like that so unfortunately and i kept hoping for it as the movie was going on um and i'll say this before i say anything more is obviously spoilers for all of these films if i get into them like i didn't really go into spoilers for bombshell but there's not really any spoilers for that but same you know if you want to avoid any of that pause it come back these aren't necessarily spoilers in my eyes either but i thought he was going to survive and um and he doesn't and it uh I was kind of shocked and I was really sad by it because this whole time he all he had to do was sign a document and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't compromise on his beliefs. But the way that they show how everyone else treats him and his family, that was the true sadness in the movie because I just as I'm watching it, like I said, you can't you can't mistake the parallels in this movie for what's going on in America right now. And I've said this before, I'm not going to try and get as, you know, I'm not trying to get political, I'm just going to be comparing these things. But the fact that um, there's a leader in power, and everyone in this very small Austrian village, so this isn't, this is nowhere, I mean, they, they hand wash their clothes, they all like as a community, they, they farm together, they do a lot of things together as a community. And they're all just kind of crotchety older people. There's there's some younger people there too, but they all just they're all loyal to Hitler now. Like they all said, okay, well we're gonna sign it. And they have some conversations, but there are some moments in the movie too where there's some scenes of like him getting yelled at by other people who clearly don't know what they're talking about, who clearly are very uneducated in uh, regards to what's going on. And again huge parallel to today where they're like why aren't you supporting him you should be supporting him he's the leader he's requesting this they do not like do you hate your country all this stuff and he's like no like i don't you're like i just and that's why when you're watching it it's kind of frustrating because it's like i just don't understand how so many people can be so dumb in that regard and obviously you know it happened back in the 40s it's happening again today and uh, it's just this sad thing where I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't have confidence in yourself. Maybe you are afraid 
of one thing or another, whether that's a change in your own life, a change in your status quo, if you choose to stand up for what's right. But it just seems like people are completely content with eating whatever is fed to them and uh, swearing by that for the rest of their lives because whoever it is that's feeding them promises them X, Y, and Z and never really delivers, but man, do they sound good when they're talking about it. And uh, that's kind of what you see. So there's like some scenes where he's walking on the street and walks by a person, Heil Hitler, and he just says, hello. And then the next person says the same thing and he just doesn't do it, do it at all. And it was just, it's so cool. It was a really powerful movie to see him stand up for not only what he believes in, but what was right at the time, what is still right today. And to do so knowing that he was going to either not make it out or that he was going to get sent away for what he believed in. And it's just funny. I don't think there's been a movie like this that's truly dealt with people who um, who have been put in this sort of position. Like no one, at least when I was younger growing up, again, I grew up in a really small town, but I just remember when I heard about the Nazis, it was like, oh, okay, Germany sucks. Like everyone in Germany was a Nazi, kind of exactly as people view us these days or how we're taught to be, how we're taught to view others by our government and people in power is just group everybody into one giant group of they're wrong and I'm right. And uh, I've learned now since then that you should never ever do that. But this was a really great way to take yourself out of that because I I could see that being probably one of the biggest things or besides obviously and, and Again, I don't I don't subscribe to these views anymore, but of saying like, oh, you know, everyone in the South is a racist is probably something that was talked about for quite some time due to the Civil War, all that sort of stuff. And same thing there. Not every single person is a racist. Not every single person is a Nazi. But we just don't I don't think we've seen or there's been a movie where it's followed the story of just one person and what they chose to do in standing up for what they believed in and especially when it goes against what their the people in power are saying that you should do and so it's just it was funny to see this a very very enlightened person who at the same time just really wanted to live a simple life and just wanted to provide for his family and live and be free and free to believe in what he wanted to believe and he was just during a time period where that sort of thing was not acceptable and any person who deviated from that or felt differently they were ostracized and there's another really sad scene in the movie too where um the the wife who now is effectively husbandless because he's in prison in in Berlin and she has to take care of i think they have it's it's two or three daughters and she has a sister that kind of helps out around the house and a mother as well, mother-in-law, it's his mom. But she's like carrying a pail of food and a pail of water back to their, their house. And again, this is like rural, the most rural you can think of in terms of Austria. Like they live in a, basically a cabin. And so resources are very scarce and precious. And every single person is just like bullying her. And they're all people who are older than her, like like old people. And again, you you just, the parallels are right there, but it's like these people are like, this one guy, you know, they're like doing everything they can where these people who played them, the actors, I thought did a phenomenal job of showing that, um, it's like, it's, it's literally, it's an uneducated frustration is what I would call it. And it's something that you see all the time. It's, it's really quite sad. It's it. And I, I, I don't know if this is a real word. I don't know if I'm, I'm making something up as I go, but essentially when you have somebody who is unwilling to learn or unwilling to be wrong or doesn't want to feel like whatever decision that they made 
is uh, the wrong decision, uh, they get angry. They get really mad and mean. And I'm sure all of you have had an experience like this one time or another. But in this movie, it's the same thing where these these older people in the town and all these other people, they've all pledged their loyalty and they just don't get, they don't understand why he won't do it because they're uneducated about it. They don't want, like, they don't want to know why. They just want him to do it. And in doing so, because he is going against the grain, they lash out and they're mean. And that's, you just, it's, it's, it's really sad because it's something you see all the time. And it's something that has not gone away. It's still there. You know, you see it when you, when you go spend the holidays with your family and that one person starts talking about politics and immediately everyone gets mad. That's, it's what it is. And it's, it's not like, oh i mean in some cases it isn't oh you're dumb but it's not that kind of dumb it's like a like i said it's an it's an uneducated of like you don't want to know why so someone someone says yada 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 this is why this person you know this is why this topic or politic top whatever this is why this is right and the other person doesn't want to know why they don't care about any of that they just feel like they are right and they want to be validated because they have been around longer they think they know how the world works that sort of stuff and so when they see someone going against that and possibly giving a better way they just get mad that's the they don't go oh wow you're right that's a really good point let me uh let me take a minute to reflect and think about that and possibly change my mind. It's just, nope, you're wrong and I hate you. And that's kind of the way that the country has been going. But so this was just a really good movie to show that, uh, you know, this stuff is ha- – all I kept thinking about as I'm watching is like, wow, this stuff's happened before. Like this is just – it's history is just going to continue to repeat, repeat itself until we learn our lessons. And uh, this movie was a great reminder of that. But like I said, it's a Terrence Malick movie, so it's absolutely gorgeous and stunning. So if you haven't seen it, I would really recommend doing so. Uh, I don't know how much longer it's going to be in theaters or if it's even at a theater near you. It was only playing at one theater in Colorado. And uh, that was a really small uh, landmark theater, uh, the Shea Artiste. And uh, my brother and I went. And it just so happened to be on the, the day that it freaking snowed like 15 inches. So it was it was a nightmare getting to the theater. But it was, uh, it was, a, it was so worth it. It was a great movie. And then after that uh, is Uncut Gems. My God, these diamonds are uncut. Uh, that was a really bad impression of uh, Adam Sandler, but uh, this is a this movie I gave a nine out of ten. This movie was phenomenal. This movie was so good. Uh, I loved it. I thought I, I would say in terms of nominations for this, uh, I would say give give Adam Sandler an acting nom for sure. Give the story and uh, a best picture nom, and I would also be okay with the script too. It's just a harrowing movie. It is so str- it's it's. It's up there with like crawl in terms of how stressful this movie is. This guy, um, I don't even remember what his name is, but it says uh, this is IMDb. Charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high stakes bets, and uh, that is just—it's so true. It uh, and so it's written and directed by uh, Benny Safdie and Josh Safdie. They did Good Time, which is also a pretty stressful movie, but this was just. I don't, it's hard to describe too. It's something where it's like you just have to see it. It's it's a very fast-paced movie. It's a very intense and stressful movie, and that's because of Adam Sandler. He just exudes paranoia, exudes excitement. He is that person that you. And it's funny. My brother, my brother and I were supposed to go see it, and he slept in and uh, missed it. And so he went another time, and he texted me, and he, or we were talking about it, and he was like, "Yeah." He goes, "This movie was super stressful." 
He goes, I don't think I'm ever going to need to gamble like that in my life because seeing that on camera, like that felt like enough is is how he described it. And I completely agree with that. Uh, and in terms of spoilers, you know, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, basically the movie, he's, he's a, like I said, he's a jeweler. He finds this or he's working on getting this really rare opal from Africa and trying to sell it to Kevin Garnett and uh is trying to like as much he's like so he owes a bunch of money to it's like his brother-in-law or something who's been beating him up because he owes all this money because he keeps making really bad bets and it's it's just a frustrating movie because he wins he wins big in the beginning of the movie and it like puts his bets in for kevin garnett to win this game and he does he like wins everything of it but it turns out that his his brother-in-law whoever this guy was found out that he was t- he took it so he like he got and this is literally the whole movie is like Adam Sandler gets money he like gets falls into some money whether winning a bet selling something he has money and then he immediately puts that money on a bet immediately and so he owes his brother-in-law he's got the money and instead of giving it back to his brother he he uh, makes a bet on it and he goes to this place and does a bet and so he like gets kidnapped by by them and he they're like well he's like no like you don't understand you don't understand it's i it's the biggest bet of my life we're all gonna be rich and he's like uh i talked with the guy and i canceled your bets and he's like what are you doing what are you talking about and it's like oh my god like if you if you'd have just let him do his bets you'd have gotten paid back and so he, his brother-in-law essentially screwed himself, and so then he's got to do it again. And so at this point, like in the beginning, he's got this beautiful gem, and he's kind of describing it to Kevin Garnett, and Garnett is just, he's obsessed with it, and he's like, can I keep this gem? And so that's why he thinks he played so well in that game, Kevin does. So he's like, I've got to have this stone. And it's funny, he was like, I don't know if I can give you the stone, like, I'm going to need some collateral. And he's like, here's my my uh, my championship ring. What does he do with the ring? He immediately pawns the ring for money. And, uh, and he eventually gets it back to give it to him. But so, like, he gets it, and he was like, oh, I don't know, Kevin, like, I don't know if I'm going to give you this rock, like, it's I'm ge- it's going to auction, It's it should be getting, like, a million dollars. And he's like, well, damn, like, I'll give you this, like, he was going to give him, like, a hundred... I think he was going to give him like 175 for the for the jewel and he the gem and he was like no no this thing's like appraised at 225. And so there's just uh like and so there so there boom he could have had a sale but he blew it because he was trying to hype up the, the gem too much. And so then Kevin takes the gems, hanging out with it for a while, comes back and he's like all right, I've got 75 75 in cash that I can I'll give you. He's like no, it's worth way more than that. Or he may have even brought 175, but he's like, no, like it's going to auction tomorrow. Goes to the auction and it finds out that it got appraised for only like 60,000 or something like that. And he so he he brings his his uh, father-in-law or some some older person in the family to help him bid, to increase the bids. And he's like, well, what if I win though? He's like, well, then I'll just pay you back. And it's like, oh my God. And so he, Kevin Garnett's there. And he's trying to outbid Kevin Garnett and Kevin Garnett gets up to 75 and he tells him to go higher. And the guy's like, fine. And so he goes higher and Kevin Garnett's like, no, I'm not going to go any higher than that. 
And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? And uh, so he wins his own gem and has to pay him back. And then Kevin Garnett gets a phone call. Like, he has to go and smooth things over with Kevin. And Kevin's like, like, what is he? And he tells him, he's like, dude, what is up with you? Like, you have been giving me the runaround since I met you. Like, first you have the gem. Then you don't have the gem. Then you're trying to outbid me at an auction. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And so he gets the money back from Kevin. So Kevin's like, fine, I'm going to take, like, I'll, I'll buy it from you, buy it back for 75000 or whatever it is. So he owes his, his, whatever. He's got the 75. While this is happening, while his brother in law now comes into the shop and he's like, shoot, like, don't let him in. And so he, he gets him in and has them, he actually traps them in the opening entrance because it's like a jewelry store in uh, new york so there's like a a gated sort of um, scan type entrance thing and he gives it and i'm skipping a lot of stuff honestly you guys should see this movie this is just why this movie frustrated me so much in a great way is so then he immediately has this money no doubt could pay his brother back and be done with all of that what does he do he puts all the money in a bag and he has this great conversation with kevin at the table but he's like Kevin's like, I don't get you, man. Like, you're psycho. And he's like, he goes, Kevin, when you're playing basketball, like, you practice and do all this stuff. You shoot your hoops while you've got people in the crowd saying that you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, you know what? You can, Kevin. Like, and, and it was like that night was game seven of of the champion the next championship and he's like well you can't he like basically gives kevin this giant pep talk about himself of like this is how i win these are this is what i do like i place bets i buy weird stuff and resell it like because he's like how much is how much did you even pay for that he's like what does it matter he's like i just want to know i've already given he was like i've already given you the money just tell me how much you paid for it and he was like what did he say he was like i, I think i paid like 50 grand for it and he's like 50 grand and he goes, how much do you think the people who who like mined that diamond, how much do you think it cost them? He's like, Kevin, this is how I win. Like I, That's how I do my upsell. Like Your upsell is on the basketball court. And so he just pumps him up with all this stuff, and Kevin leaves, and he just go, He like gets that twinkle in his eye that he keeps getting. And so he shoves all the money in a bag, writes all of this stuff down on a piece of paper, and secretly gives the bag like across the window he gets out of his window and gives it to his girlfriend who's in the the next building over he like had her go over he's like go fly to vegas right now and put all this money on the game tonight and it's like all this weird stuff and so like kevin garnett will do this that and the other because he's thinking he's gonna do really well because he's got the gem now and i'm just like dude you're gonna blow it you absolutely blew it but he's got his brother-in-law and the two uh bodyguards that he's been following like been with the two hitmen they're all trapped in this little uh, clear plastic room or it's like a bulletproof wind glass on each side and it's really hard to explain it but essentially you know like you're, you want to go in somewhere they they scan your badge or whatever the door opens that door then closes and you can't open the next door until that door's closed and then once that door's closed you're buzzed in again walk into that door you're in the jewelry store so he has them trapped in between those two doors and they're going crazy but he's like you don't understand like i i just placed the biggest bet of my life and he's explaining to him like you know if i win you're gonna get all your money back and more and so they're forced to just sit in that room along with him outside of the room all watching the game on the tv and uh the craziest thing happens and this is like why you know my brother was so right about this it's like he wins every part of his bet kevin comes through on and like wins huge and so he's just losing and the whole way to get there though was so stressful watching like him the ups and downs was nuts 
and uh, but what ends up happening he ends up dying the one of the bodyguards he like lets them out he's like see was that so hard like we're all gonna get our money back and his brother's kind of smiling like yeah yeah okay and that bodyguard was like you think you think that was funny and blows him shoots him right in the head and kills him and his brother's like what are you doing like that's crazy he's like shut up and shoots him in the head too and then they both rob the place and leave and that's kind of how the movie ends and it was just like it couldn't have ended any other way because this movie is so stressful and it's about just the one of the most horrible people like and, and adam sandler's not all bad obviously but when you see the way that he does this performance he's not a good person so it's like he couldn't have won all of the money paid the people off and been good because you see that throughout the film that he can't hang on to a good thing he's got to bet it all he's got to get rid of it he's got to sell it and so that part made sense that like it just sucks because I always want that happy ending. But it's like either he was going to win the money or he wouldn't. And he shouldn't have not won it because so many other times in the film it shows him losing. So at the end of the movie, he's got to win big. Like he's got to win. And he's he is at peak happiness right before he gets his head blown off basically. So it was just a phenomenal movie. If you haven't seen it, like I said, go see it. Because even with all of that, it's you're still going to be stressed to the max watching that movie. Uh, next up, this was not one I saw in theaters, but technically this was the first movie of 2020, which was Good Morning. It's a Criterion movie uh, by uh, Yasujiro Uzo or Ozu, uh, and it's a night from 1959. It's about it's a Japanese film, I believe it's Japanese. Uh, it's either Japanese or Korean, but it's uh, two boys begin a silent strike to press their parents into buying them a television set. It's a really good movie. Uh, it basically all they all live in this this like small little um, I don't even know how you describe it. It feels like an apartment complex, but so I'm, it's in the fifties, so not everyone has a TV. But these two kids want a TV, and their parents are like, "You like won't shut up about this TV. Like, can you please just stop?" And they're like, "Fine, we'll we'll stop. We won't say another word." And so they don't say another word. They give their parents the silent treatment until they buy them a TV. And of course, at the by the end of the movie, they do get them a TV. Uh, but it was a really great movie. It's got some really great scenes. The, there's a little kid in that movie that is just the cutest thing in the world. Um. I don't know where you would be able to find this movie though, unless you bought it from Criterion or have their um, their Criterion. What is it? Filmstruck, their their streaming service. But it was a great movie. Uh, and then I'm not I am not ashamed to say this, but I watched and saw Good Boys. Uh, this is the raunchy comedy about some sixth graders by Gene Stupinski and Lee Eisenberg, starring Jacob Tremblay. Uh, I really, really liked this movie way more than I thought I was going to. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, I was expecting it to be as uncomfortable and disgusting as the trailer made it out to be, uh, but it was not. It was actually a what I considered a pretty accurate depiction of 6th graders. 90% of the time they have no idea what they're talking about the things they care about are completely arbitrary to what like really matters and they really show the progression of them growing throughout the film in just the greatest ways I don't know it just I would recommend seeing this movie strictly on the basis of if you thought this movie was a was going to be completely stupid just check it out because I don't I think you may change your mind and if not then I'm really sorry because it's a very it's a very fine line if you don't like little kids saying swear words 
or talking about the things that they talk about, yeah, you may not like this movie, but there's so much more to this movie than just that piece of it. And so there's just, there's some great scenes where, um, like there's this scene where the, the cool kid in school is still like this little tiny kid. But so they, they go and um, he's the little group of kids. They're called the beanbag boys. But they get pulled, they're like, oh man, what's up? Like this kid's like, you want to see something cool? And they're like, yeah. And so he takes them like into the back behind the playground in the woods. And he's got a he's got a beer bottle, and they're like, "Whoa!" He's like, "We're gonna take some sips," and they're like, "Oh, I don't know, man." And he's like, "Hey, the record." He's like, "It was like Tyron or something." He's like, "Soren." The kid's name is Soren. Soren has the record for three sips, and they're like, "Dude, that's unheard of." I don't know. And so the the kid, uh, the kid who's like the bully, basically like the cool kid, he pops the bottle and takes a sip of it, and he's like, "Oh, whoa." I'm already feeling it. And then hands it to the next kid and he takes a sip and he's like, oh, exquisite. And then the third kid like takes it and does like a cough like he just took a shot. And then Jacob Tremblay's character, he's kind of the cool kid of the group. He takes a little sip and then he hands it to his buddy and his buddy does not want to take a sip, but he hands it to him. He goes, be careful, it's hot. And uh, he, he's like, I can't do it. He goes, I've got a music audition in uh, next week. And they drug test for beer. And he's like, what? He's like, no. And they start making fun of him. But So the next day, they're at the cafeteria. And the Soren, the, the, the super cool kid, he's like, hey, come here. And uh, Jacob Tremblay's character comes over. He's like, he goes, I heard you took a sip of beer in the, in the woods. That's badass. And he's like, thanks, man. He's like, I, uh, it was a pretty big sip. And he's like, cool. So uh, we're having a party uh, at my mom, at my house uh, later. Love it if you could come. And he's like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, Got to ask my mom first. And he's like, yeah, of course, because <laughs> they're little kids. He goes, but also it's a kissing party. And he's like, what? And so, uh, but then it was cool. He like stood for his friends. He's like, hey, can I invite both of my friends? And he's like, those two, they're so random. He's like, yeah, but they've been with me through everything. We're the beanbag boys. And he's like, that's a really cool name. All right, they can come. And he's like, I just, I don't know. It just, it felt, the movie, I just enjoyed it way more than I thought I was gonna. And so that's why I figured it would be a good mention. Uh, next up is In the Mood for Love. This is a, another Criterion movie. That I, I have a little pile of Criterion movies that I've bought over the last year that I haven't watched yet. So part of my my New Year's resolution is to watch all of the movies that I've purchased that haven't, I haven't watched yet. And it's not that big a list, but these are some of them. And so this is a, it's Wong, uh, Wong Kar Wai is the director and also written by uh, amazing film. This is a nine out of 10 in this. I'm only going to describe what the movie is because I would really recommend checking it out. It's uh, not long. It's only an hour and 38 minutes, but it's, it's rated PG, which is crazy. Uh, and it's from 2000, but so, um, it takes place. It's another, I believe it's Japanese. No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is a Chinese movie. Um, it's a really cool concept though. So at the same time, on the same day, a man and a woman go to rent out a room at this apartment, basically. And it's 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 a weird situation. Obviously, it's a cultural thing because I've, I've never seen this and I may be wrong, but it's like there's a woman who lives in this house with like another, it's like a house or apartment type house, but they're going to be living with that woman. So it's like you're basically going to be roommates with the person essentially, but they're they're like way older. This is kind of a, two young people, but so this lady sort gets there first, gets the room, and then the lady recommends to the guy. She's like, "Wow, that's like a coincidence. You guys came on the exact same day." Um, but there's a room right next door. So he, him, and his wife go into the next door. This lady and her husband go into the the room, 
And so the, the whole story, though, it, it revolves around those two. We never see what the wife or the husband look like. They're always in the, in the shadows. But what ends up happening in the crux of this story is both the, the man's wife is cheating on him with the woman's husband. So those two are cheating on, on their spouses, but those two sort of start developing a relationship as well when they find out that. So it's like they've found out their significant other doesn't know they've found out yet, but so they kind of develop their own relationship because of that and think like, oh, well, like maybe we should try that because they're doing that to us. Maybe we should do it. And it's just, it's a really fascinating character story and a really fascinating story because it's it's like, what a random story to say. It's not the typical like, oh, you're cheating on me. It's like, oh, you're cheating on me with my neighbor. But the story is the is focused on the two people being cheated on. It's, it's just a really, really synchronistic movie. Uh, a lot of really great camera work in this film. And uh, the the editing, the directing, it's it's a it's truly a Criterion film. So if you haven't seen this, I would highly recommend it. In the mood for love. Then I saw on Netflix the two popes, which is uh, the only reason I watched this was because uh, it's probably gonna get nominated for something Oscar related, and it already was nominated for Golden Globe, and it's on Netflix, so it's free. So I had to check it out. But uh, directed by Fernando Mieres, uh, I believe uh, Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price are in this film, playing uh, John Anthony Hopkins is playing Pope Benedict. And Jonathan Price is playing Pope Francis, uh, and it was actually a pretty good movie. I I won't lie, um, I didn't follow because I, I when I was in high school, I went to private school in Texas, uh, John Paul II High School, and it was right when John Paul died. And so then when Pope Benedict came on the scene, actually I didn't like Pope Benedict, and I don't think a lot of people did. He he seemed kind of creepy and um, just. I don't know. In my opinion, this is my own. This is my opinion. I think people of that age should not hold positions of power, uh, just due to not not only mental capacity of you know you, you there's very good chances of you know memory loss and all that sort of stuff, but also because when you're that old, you are very stuck in your ways. And I think when you're leading in any aspect, whether whether that's the leader of a company, of a country, of, of of the Vatican, whatever you wanted to have it be, I think younger people are better suited for it because. Uh, for that very reason, they, they, at least to me, I think a good person is someone who's willing to learn and grow and accept mistakes. Older people have a harder time doing that for the most part. And that's just because they've been around for so long. They're used to doing things a certain way. And so you, know, you can't fault them for it. But again, it's just like, okay, every single Pope, what is the, is the requirement to be Pope that you have to be over 80 in the same way that it seems like the requirement to be the president of our country is you have to be over 70 just blows my mind that like, why, <laughs> I just don't want to have a, a leader who's going to die while they're serving in their office because of old age. It doesn't make sense to me. So I didn't really like Pope Benedict, but I loved and still do love Pope Francis. I think he's great. So when I, as I was watching this movie, I'm thinking two popes, that's one too many. But then I realized I didn't know the whole backstory about uh, Pope Francis was going to meet with Pope Benedict because that was during the scandals of the Catholic Church with uh, the touching of the kids. And... Uh, Apparently, and I didn't, I didn't know this. I think I'm sure I heard about it and forgot it. But Pope Benedict was very light on punishment for those that did that. There was a famous case, I guess, and they talk about it in the movie where um, 
uh, priest who was uh, convicted or whatever of a ton of people saying, yeah, he touched me or whatever they did, he did. Uh, and he didn't even get punished. He got moved to a different, um, a different parish because uh, to start over. And they talk about, he's like, that's like a slap on the wrist. That's not doing anything. So uh, eventually what ends up happening, as we all know, is he abdicates his, his uh, position. And he does so because of Francis in a, in a sense. He's like, he realizes that the church does need to change with the times. It needs to evolve and grow. And he's not the man to do that. So in that sense, I really respect Pope Benedict for realizing that his place is not there and, and is somewhere better suited for someone of his age and, and uh, beliefs. And it's a, it was just a good movie in that sense of, uh, it, it, that's it. Like, I, I don't think this movie needs to be nominated for anything. Um, the performances were great, but there's also a ton of other great performances this year. So I, I just, I, to me, a forgettable movie that I, I'm glad I saw it, but I'm never going to watch it again. Uh, and then yesterday, I went and saw Jumanji, the next level in theaters. Uh, and this was also a good movie. I gave it a seven as well. Uh, I really liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as the first one, but I stay, still give both of these movies a seven. Both of them are more fun than they have any right to be, and I think that's my favorite thing about these Jumanji movies is they're just a fun, it's a fun ride, and, and I knew that going into it because I saw the trailer, and I just remember when I watched the trailer, I was like, this looks like a fun movie. Like I can't wait to go see it. This is the kind of thing I love seeing in theaters, and I was right. It was great. I loved the addition of Aquafina, and... Um, I loved the switch. A lot of the characters end up being different players in the game. That was nice. I didn't necessarily like the whole The Rock pretending to be an old person and Kevin Hart pretending to be an old person just because they do that for a majority of the movie. So it's like they don't really get to act as much. But it's fine. Again, it's you know it was the way of the story needed it to be. So in that sense, I appreciate them taking those risks. But it was a good movie. It was fun. It's the same exact thing. The the kid goes back into the game. His friends go after him, but it ends up pulling in uh, the kid's grandfather, uh, which is Danny DeVito, and also Danny Glover. And they end up being they were like partners a long time ago in a restaurant. So there's a whole backstory there. But when they land. Uh, the old, as you see in the trailer, all of them are different characters, but then throughout the film, there's a couple of opportunities where they actually switch bodies, which was really, really funny and really cool. Again, Aquafina did a great job. Um, the Jonas brother, uh, was, was, is it Nick Jonas? One of them, uh, one of the Jonases, uh, he was in it and did great. I'm trying to think, I feel like there was another new character that they, they had in it. Oh, there's a horse. Uh, the horse was really good too, though, but it was good. It was just, it was good. If you liked the first Jumanji, you're definitely going to like this one. And, um, all of them do great. Jack Black was hilarious. He got to play. And that's what was great. Even though the, in the, in the movie, these characters are switching roles, but not only that, but the actors are having to act as different people. And so that was really cool to see. Cause some of these people act as like two or three different people within the movie. And uh, I, I just enjoyed that. I thought that was great. Uh, and then last night I saw, I watched uh, Six Underground on Netflix. Wow, that movie is a true roller coaster uh, theme park of a, of a movie in the best way. Michael Bay has has brought out all the stops and mo- multiple points in the movie. Uh, we just kept saying to each other, like, this is a Michael, like Michael Bay, what kind of budget did this movie get? Because the explosions are just bombastic. Like, so many explosions and so many great action scenes. It was a blast. Uh, and I don't know how this movie didn't just get released in theaters, but I can kind of see why it wasn't a great movie, but it was still 
really good. And those action, I mean, just the fact that it's on Netflix, the perfect movie to have playing in the background when you got a party going on or something because Ryan Reynolds does great. All the other people on the team kind of do great, but it's there's no expectation to be great. And then the, the explosions are truly explosive. There's some really great stuff involving magnets that I think people would really enjoy. Uh, along with some really funny lines and, and multiple times in the movie going like, oh no, like as things just start blowing up and exploding, like the physics was completely thrown out the window in this movie. There's so many great car chases that shouldn't have ever been in real life, but hey, they're in a movie and, and this was truly a movie magic type of film. It almost felt like a Fast and the Furious type of movie, uh, but it's not. It was its own flair and uh, I loved it all the more for it. And then finally, uh, Little Women, which uh, my wife and I just got out of and, and went and saw a little earlier today. Uh, little Woman was great. That's uh, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, obvi- uh, obviously based on the book, Little Women, starring, starring uh, Saoirse Ronan and um, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and uh, Eliza Scanian, along with uh, Laura Dern, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk was in it. It was great. Uh, really great movie. Awesome movie. Uh, I will not be upset for anything that it wins, Golden Globe or Oscar otherwise. Definitely deserving. The, those girls were just so good. Such a sweet movie. Uh, and it, But it's exactly, it's the exact movie you thought it was going to be. It's just a, it's a movie about some sisters and the power of sisterhood and uh, what, like basically what, not necessarily what makes a woman great, but by following the lives of these women, you see what makes them and a lot of women like them great, which I thought was really cool. A lot of a lot of emphasis on you know being your own person and following your north star, uh, doing the things that make you happy, whether that's writing or painting or singing that sort of stuff. Um, but also had a lot of really heart tugging moments in it and uh was pretty sad as well so just a overall fantastic movie uh, really glad that i got to go see it and hope a lot of you go see it too because it, it, like i said it's definitely going to get nominated for some things i wouldn't be surprised i i know for a fact i don't know for a fact i don't know why i said that but um in terms of my guesses i would say best picture uh best uh, uh adapted screenplay um Saoirse for uh is it, is it Sarah Schaeffer, um, actress, along with, I would give it to Florence Pugh as well. Uh, Emma Watson, you guys, if you guys know me from my past, I, I have a, the biggest crush. My, my Hollywood crushes, if we're going we're gonna to be talking about that right now. Honey, if you're listening, this is probably where you want to pause it. I don't think there's much more that we're going to be talking about in this episode. You can probably just click marked as play and move on. Uh, but for those of you who are still sticking around, um, my first first crush, Natalie Portman, no questions asked. Uh, but then second to Natalie Portman is, is uh, well, it's possible it's Jennifer Garner. But then definitely Emma Watson. Emma Watson fell in love with her the minute I saw Harry Potter, and I've loved her ever since. Uh, so it was great to see her in here. But and she has some great scenes. But this movie is is more of a focus on Florence and um, 
uh, and Sersha in my eyes, though they do a great job of covering all of the sisters. Uh, and there's some other really good performances too, but I, I swear on everything that is holy, on every Little Women book, if Meryl Streep gets nominated, I am going to scream. She did a great job, but I'm just, I she's got enough nominations. Like there are so many other people in Hollywood right now that deserve to be recognized for their work besides Meryl Streep, who is in this movie for probably a combined total of five to 10 minutes and she's great don't get me wrong she's great but come on like no there's so many other supporting actresses out there who deserve praise over Meryl Streep right now um, but I again if the Oscars give it to her or nominate her not going to be surprised because and literally she's nominated every year so that's you know rant over but uh, but it was good I really recommend that movie and so before we close out like I said I have two other things I wanted to go over which were just two more lists that I have so these were the top movies that I saw this year that did not come out this year and so um, I'll talk about them briefly a lot of these I've already talked about um, but I was, I was actually kind of surprised I, I did a couple things here so you guys are aware I'm really heavy on IMDB any movie any show anything that I see I rate so I know exactly what I've seen and uh, it keeps it cataloged for me so this year according to IMDB and this is going to probably be plus or minus well it's definitely not minus I've seen 272 pieces of content this year according to imdb that's tv shows documentaries stand-up specials movies uh, but it's definitely more than that because there are movies that i've seen multiple times that i'm not going to rate them multiple times but in terms of of new content that i've seen 272 for 2019 which is great that's awesome uh, not as much as the past, but I've calmed down. Uh, I really got into a film renaissance one in 2016. That was when I uh, I decided to watch. My brother kind of really got me into film. I'd loved movies beforehand, but he's he's one who kind of got me to dive deeper. And uh, and so that year, I decided to watch the IMDb Top 250 list. So I saw a lot of movies in 2016, like 500, and. Um, just so I, I finally got to see so many movies that I'd been dying to see or that people were like, you got to go see this movie because IMDb is like it's the top movies. And so as these years go on, I'm going to be seeing less and less movies because eventually I'll see everything uh, besides the new ones that come out. And so this year is when I kind of started feeling that I was scrolling through this list of all this movies and TVs. And I'm like, I don't see a lot. Like I don't see a lot of stuff that didn't come out in 2019. So here's my list. Um, most of these movies, actually all of these movies are an eight or more. I've got three on here that are nines. The rest are eights. But again, these are all movies I saw during that calendar year of 2019, but did not come out in 2019 though. This first one technically did, which is dragon. Oh man. Well, I spoiled that. I should start at the end. Um, dragon ball super broly. That was my number one on this list and I'll, we'll get to it. I'll start at the back end, but number 10 is wicker man. And that was the the 1970s one. We've talked about that on a podcast already, but like I said, I thought that was a great movie, so that's on there. Heather's, uh, the movie with uh, Winona Ryder, thought that was a great movie too. Boruto, the animated movie, uh, I understand the show was better. I haven't watched the full show, but the the episodes, basically, there's a fight in Boruto. It's in episode 65 of Boruto. Um, the next gen or Naruto next generations or something like that, but it's one of the best fights of all time. It was, it was something where almost every Friday for like three months when I got off of work, 
it'd be the first thing that I would watch to start my weekend off because it was the coolest fight. Um, so that, but the the movie was just as good. It wasn't as great as the show, but it was still nice to see that fight in a new light because it was uh, had some different animation. A Silent Voice, another anime movie. This is the one about the guy who teased the girl in school and kind of had to re-reconcile with her. Really powerful movie. Um, the Oath, that's a movie with Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish. Uh, came out in 2018. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend that movie because it didn't even make it to theaters, I don't think. But it came out on DVD, and it's really, really, really funny. And it's also a really great political movie in terms of it's essentially what happens when politics politics takes place at Thanksgiving and in, in the best way because the premise is just like we were talking about. The premise in that movie is uh, the president is asking everyone to sign a loyalty pledge and Ike Barinholtz won't do it because he hates the, the current administration. It's, it's a very, very topical movie and it's hilarious. Uh, and then next up, Whisper of the Heart, another anime movie. This is a Studio Ghibli movie my wife and I saw in theaters during the Studio Ghibli Fest loved this movie it's just a movie about just as most ghibli movies are it's a movie about nothing it's a movie about a girl who kind of falls in love with this guy but also it's about her writing and uh just kind of moving through the day it's really good really good movie Uh, and then number four is burning as i talked about in the decades uh, podcast not on my decades list but burning was phenomenal as well and is available on netflix Excuse me. Uh, number three, Halloween, 1978, with Jamie Lee Curtis. No questions there. Number two, My Hero Academia, Two Heroes. Um, I stand by what I said in the Decades podcast. Great film. Uh, just did, probably doesn't need to be on the Decades list, but it's still phenomenal. The fights in that movie are insane, and of course, the fights are even better in Dragon Ball Super Broly. Um, best movie of uh 2019 that did not come out in 2019 but i did see this movie twice in theaters this year technically this movie came out in japan back in 2018 but it did not make it to u.s theaters until 2019 so uh you know according to imdb it's a 2018 movie you can look at it one way or the other but i'm sure it won't get recognized by awards one way or the other so it doesn't really matter but that's my list. And then real quickly, I'm going to go over my top TV of 2019. So these are the films or the, the TV shows. And I saw quite a few, but these are my top 10 from 2019 that I watched this year, that year in full. So some of these shows did not come out in 2019, but that doesn't matter because I saw them in 2019. So number 10 is Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix awesome show if you haven't seen it check it out there's only one season uh, all of these shows by the way are nines with uh, four of them being tens the top four so love death and robots it's a bunch of short uh short shows about different uh it's like an anthology series almost in the same vein as animatrix um though do be prepared there is nudity in that show um and all of it's animated, so if that's something that you're either uncomfortable with or haven't seen or, or weren't expecting, just know going in that that's that is part of it. Uh, but it's still badass. Like the oh, they're really really good episodes. I can't wait for season two. Number nine, Dragon Ball Super. Uh, I made a promise to myself that I would finish this show before the new year, and I did. I finished it. Uh, was it? two days before the new year which was awesome or two or three uh 131 episodes i skipped a little filler but i got the whole show and i loved it i thought it was awesome and it 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 played really well with dragon ball super broly 
in some ways, I suppose. But it was just the fights were great. The only nitpick I'd have about Dragon Ball Super is the fights do can get re- repetitive if you're watching the show consistently, like you know binge watching it. But if not, you're probably fine. Number eight, The Mandalorian, also a nine. Uh, Mandalorian was fantastic. Uh, best, uh, I, I'm probably confident right now. I've only seen the first season of Star Wars Clone Wars. But I'd say right now, uh, it's probably the best Star Wars TV. Actually, we'll say this. It's the best Star Wars live-action TV show out there. Uh, Shit's Creek uh, is number seven. Watched, Binged-watched that with my wife. All 80 episodes. Loved it. One of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time. Also with a ton of heart. Absolutely, you know, I cried multiple times in that show. It makes me really happy thinking about that show. Number six, Naruto. Uh, this is uh, the original Naruto, the um, 2002 to 2007. Same thing. Started this this year, finished it this year. A lot of episodes, a lot of anime, but also a lot of amazing fights and story and mythology. I loved it, and I cannot wait to start Naruto Shippuden at some point this year. Number five, His Dark Materials. New show on HBO. Absolutely loved it cannot wait for season two if you haven't seen the show do yourself a favor i loved it because i read the books when i was younger so that's why i really enjoyed it but i know some people have had some some uh nitpicks about it i don't know if that's because it's a bbc show or what but it's on hbo and it's badass it's so good it it really it feels like a just a really powerful fantasy meets sci-fi type show number four daredevil uh, this would be Daredevil Season 3, which I watched uh, in 2019. 10 out of 10. Phenomenal. And that whole series is a 10 out of 10. That's why I've got it there. Uh, Daredevil is by far the best of the Netflix shows for superheroes. I would say closely seconded by uh, Punisher, though I've only seen the first season of Punisher, but that's enough in my eyes. I want to see Season 2, but miles ahead of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And Jessica Jones was great, but we won't even talk about the Defenders. But uh, Daredevil is just phenomenal. Number three, Mob Psycho 100. Both seasons I watched this year for the first time. This is from 2016. It's another anime, but it is a phenomenal anime. It is about a boy who has psychic powers that kind of manifest as superpowers. And he uh, is kind of not necessarily afraid of his own power, but it's a a great show about even though you are the most powerful person on the planet, you are still just a person and you are no different or more special than anyone else. And I think that it's a great message. It's a really funny show, but it's also an insane show in terms of its fights. Number two, and this is where people are wondering, hmm, um, there's only two left and Alex has had a lot of high praise for Watchmen. Where does Watchmen come out? Well, number two is Watchmen, 10 out of 10. Uh, One of the best new shows that I've seen in a long time. Not only that, but it's very rare that a TV show that is a sequel to not only a movie that I love, but a comic comic series that I love ends up being this good. I've never had that happen in my life. The only time I could ever think of this would be if there was some sort of Marvel show that was based or a sequel. Maybe one of these Marvel shows that comes out will, will have some sort of 10 out of 10 for me as well for the um these new disney plus shows but it's it's that's a hard hard hill to climb i'd say uh, but watchmen was just one of the best shows i've ever seen and and that's that's no lie it 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 deals with everything from superheroes to race to power and money it's just 
it's something you have to see to believe. And uh, if you haven't seen that show, again, highly recommend it. All of these I highly recommend. But that leaves me with number one, which is, drumroll please, Demon Slayer, Kimitsu no Yaiba. Uh, Demon Slayer is a new anime that came out this year that uh, my cousin and I watched and it's absolutely phenomenal. It, it's one of the best pieces of anime and of television that I've ever seen. It's The animation is beautiful. The story is touching. The story is beautiful. It's about a kid whose whole family is killed while he's out getting coal. It's like takes place in almost like samurai, feudal Japan sort of. Uh, but what ends up happening is his family is killed by a demon. And the demon also infected his sister. And his sister is turning into a demon. And so he becomes a demon slayer. He's like saved by a demon slayer who recruits him. He becomes a demon slayer all the while carrying his sister in a box on his back as she's a demon who's chosen not to eat people. It's it's a long story, but it's beautiful. And the the whole show is about him trying to save his sister to turn her back into a human. But the fights that he gets in, the characters that show up, the the mythology and the build, the world building, it's like I said, I mean, there's a reason that I have it at number one. It's just a phenomenal show. The The theme song is, is amazing. Uh, there's not enough praise that I can give to Demon Slayer. So those are my top TV shows for 2019. And like I said, tune in for probably in a, I'm thinking maybe in a couple of weeks um, to do the top films of 2019. And I'll most likely be doing that with my brother as well. Uh, but we still have a couple to see specifically 1917 which now that i know is a one take war movie i'm probably going to love it and there's a really strong chance that that's going to make it out of my top 10 but i don't want to make any assumptions and that's where we're going to wrap up so uh for comics and cinema guys thank you so much for listening and tuning in i'm your host alex klein and i'll see you at the movies (laughs) 